Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 44. I'm your host, Riley. It is U.S. Open time. We are at Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open this week. Preview show. Very, very excited about the U.S. Open. Obviously, the golf world gets super pumped up when it's major championship week, and it is yet again major championship week. The U.S. Open defending champion Bryson DeChambeau. Obviously not my favorite person, but he did smack the field at Wingfoot last year. He comes in as defending champion. This is the major that Brooks Kepka won a couple times in a row. Uh, Gary Woodland won at Pebble. So big hitters usually win at the U.S. Open. Who knows how Torrey Pines is going to play. Uh, a couple stats coming in later about when Tiger won in 2008. Um, he didn't hit a lot of fairways, but obviously he's always one of the longest guys in the field, back in the day at least. So distance is huge at the U.S. Open, especially when the rough is so thick that you get guys that don't drive it as far, and then if they miss a bunch of fairways and they're in the rough and they have seven irons at a thick, thick U.S. Open rough, that's not going to go good. But like we saw at Wingfoot when Matty Wolf and Bryson DeChambeau were out driving everybody in the field and they have wedges from the rough, it's a lot easier to control at a rough with a wedge than it is a seven iron. That's why Rory finished in the top 10 last year at Wingfoot. That's why Xander had a good week is because those guys hit the ball a long way. So driving distance is definitely something that we're going to be looking at this week when it comes to betting wise when we go over everything for Tory this week. But cannot wait to get into the U.S. Open. We have a lot to go over. We're going to recap the Palmetto Championship. Garrick Higo, if that's how you pronounce your name, man. I don't know how to pronounce it. I didn't, I've never heard of you before this week, but holy shit. Gets his second win, or his first win on tour in his second start. He had four wins in nine months on the Euro Tour, um, or four wins overall in the last nine months, but then recently had a couple wins on the European Tour. He's one of. He's been on fire over there. Kind of snuck in under the uh, radar. He only won because uh, Chesson kind of choked. I know he didn't really want to use the word after he was being interviewed after the tournament was over. He didn't want to use the word choked, but that's exactly what happened. So we're going to recap the Palmetto. Uh, Congaree was awesome. The golf course was really, really cool. It just looked impossible. And a lot of the guys have never played it before. So it was very interesting to see all the guys kind of struggle to read the greens. You don't really see that a lot. A lot of the guys, they're right around the hole. Every single time you get them within 30 feet, they're probably going to have a run at it. This week, even like the 10-footers, guys were just missing the hole completely, and you just don't see that a lot on tour. So seeing them struggle was kind of cool. Uh, it was just, it just played really awesome. Firm and fast. If you didn't find the fairway, you were in a lot of trouble. Tall grass, sandy areas. The runouts around the greens were really cool. So we're going to talk about that also. But before we get into everything about the Palmetto, about the U.S. Open, we got some headlines. And a lot of it, or two of them, two out of the three points, are just uh, show-wise, Twilight Nine-wise. So it sounds like Twilight Nine is going to be on the ground in a couple weeks in Connecticut at the Travelers Championship. So we're really looking forward to that. It doesn't look like Rory's going to be a part of the field. He hasn't committed yet. He usually, when he plays in tournaments, he usually commits pretty far in advance. Like he doesn't usually commit to stuff like the week before. So we'll have to see. Doesn't sound like Rory's going to be there. I know our guy Max is going to be there. The rest of the field does look pretty good. Jason Day, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson. There's going to be some guys at that tournament, but it does sound like we're going to be down in Connecticut to cover the Travelers at least over the weekend. So that is going to be cool. So look out for that. Hopefully we'll be able to take some pictures and videos and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the next instructional video is going to come out this week. It's already filmed. It's already ready to go. It's in the YouTube ready to go. I think I'm still trying to figure out what is going to be our day to release all that kind of stuff. I want it to be at the end of the week just because so you guys can have the video and then go to the course over the weekend and practice, right? I don't want to get you guys a video and release it on Monday like I did last week. And then you have to wait a full week to like try it out. I want to release it Thursday or Friday and give you guys just fresh in your mind 
here's a drill, go practice at the range in a couple hours when you have the time. I'm just still trying to figure out what day to bring it out because Tuesdays, the podcast video comes out on the YouTube. Wednesdays, the little betting preview comes out on our YouTube. And then now this is going to have to be somewhere at the end of the week. And then hopefully starting this week, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times, especially when the Masters was around, but hopefully this week is going to be the week where that I start two shows a week. Uh, I haven't totally decided how the second show of the week is going to be formatted. Obviously, we'll do a little like Thursday recap, uh, how the bets are looking and stuff like that. But I think it might just be guests will come on, my buddies will come on, we'll kind of just shoot the shit, uh, maybe talk about my own golf game, what we're working on, what if we've played golf that week or if I've played golf that week, kind of go over the rounds and stuff. So hopefully this week will be the week that we start a second episode per week, hopefully. So that video will be coming out. So there's just going to be a lot on the YouTube. It's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday. Most likely the second episode will be coming out Friday, recorded Friday morning. So it's going to be a quick turnaround. So I don't know if there's going to be a video for that. And then we have the instructional stuff. And then I'm hoping to get to at some point over the next couple of weeks, starting to film uh, Twilight Nine videos, literally Twilight Nine videos, like me going to play five, six o'clock at night and just re and just film the entire thing. I don't know how I'm going to format it yet. I don't know if it's going to be shot for shot. I don't know if it's just going to be kind of like a uh, Eric Lang type thing. Uh, if you guys don't know my guy, Random Golf Club or whatever, they film it. They don't really film it shot for shot. They film it kind of like a 12 minute, 20 minute video. And it's like conversations in between shots and then like drone shots and all that kind of stuff. I haven't decided how I'm going to film it yet. If you guys prefer it one way or another, shot for shot or the other way, reach out to me on Instagram and let me know what you guys want to watch. But those videos are hopefully coming soon. So the YouTube is going to be loaded. So now it's just me deciding when I want to put the instructional stuff out. But the video, the second drill, um, it's a takeaway drill. We're talking about the takeaway this week. It's going to be out at some point Thursday, Friday. I just have to decide which day it's going to come out, but it'll be out at some point this week. And then the last thing, just a little bit on the PGA Tour wise, Dustin Johnson is now third all time on the money list. He passed, uh, was it Jim Furyk? I think it was Jim Furyk for third because he he passed, uh, was it Vijay Singh at the RBC Heritage for fourth on the money list? And I think he just passed Jim Furyk. So DJ's already up to third. Ridiculous. But that's it for the headlines, guys. Just wanted to cover a couple things for the show. But Palmetto Championship. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, the highlight of the week for me, at least when I caught some of the golf, I'm not going to lie. I didn't, I watched it Thursday a little bit during the morning and then a little bit on Sunday, but the field and the leaderboard just wasn't good enough for me to like not go do something else and watch golf instead. But the highlight of the week for me was definitely the golf course. It played pretty cool. Uh, you needed to hit fairways, like I said, at the top of the show or else you were in just a really bad spot. The sandy areas were brutal, especially with like the clumps of grass. It wasn't um, homogenous grass. Like it wasn't rough. There were patches of grass, kind of like Pinehurst where you get like really bad lies, just thick, tall, rough. So if you didn't hit fairways, you were in big trouble. The run, the runoff areas around the greens were spectacular. You needed a really good short game. The bunkers were tough to get up and down in, especially the fairway bunkers were really tough. It seemed like soft sand, but the golf course was really cool. It doesn't seem like a golf course that would be fun for like a mid handicapper to play. You need to have some golf game to get around that place. But it was just it was just really fun to watch. But the winner, uh, Garrick Jarek Higo. You know it's a tough field when I don't know how to pronounce the winner's name. That's just kind of what it comes down to. But the kid is obviously on fire, and he's up to 39th in the official world golf rankings after just a run. He has four wins in the last nine months, and this is his third win since the third week of April. So this kid has been playing some golf. His record recently on the Euro Tour has been insane. His last four starts, T4, win, T8, win. Just I didn't even see his name one time coming into the week for any like preview stuff, betting stuff, pick stuff. I didn't see anybody put his name on that list and he came in hot and won. He entered the final round six shots back. He eagled 12, birdie 14 and one by one. This is the largest final run round comeback of the season. Brooks came back from five to win the waste management. And I think it actually is the largest comeback victory in a final round since 2018 when Bubble won the Travelers. I'm pretty sure that's how far back we go until the last time we saw somebody come back and win from six. He shot 68, 69, 68, 60 rate. So that's just really, really good golf. 
and he got some encouraging words. The morning, uh, Sunday morning from another South African, Mr. Gary Player. Uh, the quote after the round was, Player told me he's done it before quite a few times, the way he's won from six behind, seven behind. He just said, don't think too much about what the other guys are doing. Just kind of do your thing and stay up there, and you never know what could happen. You got to love the old guys on tour, Jack Nicholas, Gary Player. It's always, let's talk about me first, even though you didn't ask about me. Let's go over what I accomplished, and then we'll get to you. I love that that's even what Gary did when he called that kid was, oh, don't worry. I've done it before. Six, seven, 12 shots back. I win all the time. Doesn't matter. Just go out and do your thing. I just, I think it's so funny that whenever you ask one of the older golfers, the 70 year old 80 year old golfers, it's always let's talk about me, even if you didn't ask about me. Let's bring it right around to me. Let's talk about this. I always thought that's funny with those guys, but the ego machines, gotta love it. But now the kid has a two year exemption on the PGA tour. And after that, he was just really excited to see the family. The mom came out, gave him a hug. He said that he's still gonna play on the European tour. I don't know how much he's going to play on the European tour, but he did mention that it was always his dream to play on the PGA tour full time. So I'm sure that we're going to see his name stateside a lot. And then he'll maybe go over to the European tour for like the, like the bigger events, but we're going to see a lot more of this kid. I mentioned him already, but Chesson Hadley, he choked. He didn't want to say it and he didn't want to use that word after his round, but it's exactly what he did. Coming into the week, he had missed nine of 11 cuts in four straight cuts. He ended the round Sunday with a four shot lead. He just looked very uncomfortable for the jump. He bogeyed two, bogeyed three, and then he kind of got it together. Calmed down a bit after that. Looked pretty solid on the back nine. He went to 16 T with a two shot lead and then he made bogey on 16 made bogey on 17, bogey on 18, and lost by one. Just not how you want to do it. I know that he did not want to say that he choked, but that's exactly what he did. He choked. When you bogey the last three holes while you have a two-shot lead going to 16, that is the ultimate choke job. Really tough. Obviously, he was not very excited, but he did say, like, if you told me you shot 75, which he did in the final round, if he shot 75 in the first round and then came out and shot 65, 68, whatever, he would have been really pumped about that. It's just crappy that his worst round of the week by far came on Sunday afternoon. Just sucks for him, obviously. Especially, that's why golf makes no sense, right? You miss four straight cuts, you miss nine out of 11, and then all of a sudden you're winning the golf tournament on the 16th hole on Sunday by two shots, right? Golf makes no sense. But Justin Hadley choked, whatever, tied for second. And then we have an army of guys that tied for second at 10 under. We had Doc Redman, who we did mention on the show last week. He's been playing really good golf. He's been showing flashes of of playing just solid. Everything about his game just look looks in a, like it's in a good spot. Um, Bo Van Pelt was there also, which was he came down the stretch looking like he all could he could also win that golf tournament on Sunday. Hudson Swaffin was there. Johnny Vegas, Terrell Hatton. And uh, and Ch- and Chesson obviously, uh, Maddie Fitz, DJ Pat Perez, who I mentioned a few weeks ago as a guy that's starting to put it a little bit together here. They all tied for tenth, but again, the leaderboard just wasn't that great. I liked watching the golf just for the golf course, pretty much. Some guys were playing good golf. Um, Tommy Fleetwood played some decent golf over the weekend. Uh, Maddie Fitz looked good. He's been going through a little bit of a I don't want to say swing change. He's just been really working on the swing of late. He had a run of just crazy golf, and then he had a couple rough starts in a row. Like, let me go here. Yeah, he missed the cut at the Memorial. Uh, Top 25 at the PGA. Missed the cut at the Byron Nelson. Uh, Top 5 at the RBC Heritage. Top 35 at the Masters. Uh, Top 10 at the Players. Top 10 at the Arnold Palmer. So he had a couple rough starts in that stretch, but he comes back another top 10 finish at the Palmetto. He's a guy that we're just waiting for him to have a win on the PGA Tour. He's just so due. He's one of the better players in the world. He's won a bunch on the European Tour. He has the game. He's just a grinder. He's gritty. He makes pars from nowhere. He's a fantastic putter. He's just a guy that is going to win a championship uh, very soon. I know... A lot of people like him actually this week at the U.S. Open. It's just a little tough because at the U.S. Open, you like to see driving distance. And then Matty Fitzpatrick just doesn't have that. He ranks 148th in driving distance, barely over 290. He hits a lot of fairways, though, which is definitely an advantage at a U.S. Open. If you can hit a bunch of fairways, especially when the fairways shrink, that is a big advantage. Um, We'll see. He missed a cut at Wingfoot, plus 7, 74, 73. So we'll see if he can turn that around. 
We'll see about Matty Fitz. I know once we get into the U.S. Open preview, which we're going to do in a second, he's not on the list now, but who knows when the betting stuff comes out uh, today, Tuesday. All the betting stuff will be out for you guys, but we'll see. But yeah, let's jump into the U.S. Open. I didn't want to waste a bunch of time on the Palmetto Championship just because I didn't watch a lot of the golf. I'm sure, to be completely honest, you guys probably didn't either. It was boring. The field wasn't great, but it is time for the U.S. Open. So let's jump into that 121st U.S. Open the last time the boys played the U.S. Open, my least favorite person maybe in the sport of golf won. So we're very much hoping for a different result this time around. Last time they were at Wingfoot for the U.S. Open, I did say that Bryson had no chance. Actually, correct that. I said that he either was going to miss the cut or he was going to make a run at winning. There was going to be no in-between, and that's exactly what he did. So we're, we're hoping for a better result this time around. And before you ask, I already mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Rory McIlroy is going to be one of my picks this week. He always is. I would feel stupid if he won a major championship the one week that I don't pick him. So I'm going to have to ride him no matter what happens. Uh, Field, everybody. But I mentioned before, Bryson DeChambeau is your defending champion. He was the only player under par last year at Wingfoot, put on a tremendous performance. But God, I hope that doesn't happen this time around. John Rahm has been cleared of all COVID-9 protocols. He's passed two tests in a row, so he is in the field this week. I guess I probably could have put that in the headline portion of the show, but John Rahm is back. He had the Memorial Trophy pretty much on his mantle already after his 54th hole on Saturday afternoon, but then obviously he was told that he was tested positive for COVID-19, so he had to WD from that and lost like $1.6 million, whatever, but I'm sure he would love to come right back and win at a golf course where he, you could say he's seen some success. His last three finishes at Torrey at the Farmers Insurance Open, T7, solo second, and T5. He also won the tournament back in 2017. So he loves himself, some Torrey Pines. And then my guy, looking for his first major championship since 2014, Rory McIlroy had a solid week at the last playing of the U.S. Open. He took advantage of his distance and he finished inside the top 10. He just had a top 10 at the, or top 20 rather, at the Memorial. Recently won the Wells Fargo, so hopefully some of that momentum carries over into this week. He's another guy that just has really solid history at the Farmers. Um, At this golf course, last three starts at the Farmers, T16, T3, and T5. Other big names in the field, everybody except Tiger, and I guess if you want to include Ricky, which I know he's not in the field this week, but hot take. I think Ricky Fowler wins another golf tournament within the next two months. He's playing really good golf. I don't I don't know why no one is like really talking about it, but I don't know what the hell happened with Ricky over the last like month or two because the dude's playing some golf. I realized... Actually, I read something online. I noticed that he was wearing new sunglasses. Those like the Oakley looking ones, like not even sporty looking ones, that like the the straight like biker looking ones in their prescription, I guess. And it's helping him like see the golf ball better. I don't know what he's doing, but he should keep doing it. Really good. I mean, he didn't have like a top 20 all year. I think his first top 20 of this new season came at the Genesis. And then he was like 72nd at the Arnold Palmer, missed the cut at the players, T65 at the Honda, and then the, the Valero, top 20, he missed the cut at the Wells Fargo and the Byron Nelson, and then he top 10 at the PGA, and then T11 at the Memorial. I think Ricky might win a tournament in the next couple months, so look out for that. But we're missing Tiger, we're missing Ricky. I guess Ricky's going to go over Tiger's house to watch the U.S. Open, which is pretty funny. I know that's what Ricky did for the Masters, so I'm sure we'll get a couple pictures, maybe some stories about that. The golf course, Torrey Pines South, par 71, 7,652 yards. It may play longer than that. It may play shorter than that. Who knows how they're going to set it up from day to day. Uh, Like I mentioned at the top of the show, Reese Jones uh, redesigned in 2019. They took out some bunkers, um, added some stuff. I think they also added a little bit of length. The, what was that, 2019? So they've played two farmers since then. Looking at the golf course, I'm not saying that I'm like an expert on golf architecture or anything like that. I didn't notice like a huge difference aside from the fact that it got longer. But the golf course is really pretty. I just think they probably could have taken advantage of the location a little bit more, like use the coastline a little bit more. But I mean, again, I'm not the I'm not the golf course designer. I don't know. Uh, the greens are bent grass with a little bit of poana in them. Weather. This is the thing. The weather looks spectacular. It doesn't get over a six over a six percent chance of rain. Like it's just not going to rain this week. Tuesday, partly cloudy, seventy six. 
Wednesday, partly cloudy, 75, and it the blows a little bit on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday is 75, mostly sunny, nine mile an hour winds. Friday is 76, sunny, eight mile an hour. Saturday is 76, sunny, 10 mile an hour. And then Sunday, did I just say Sunday twice? Saturday is 76 and sunny, 10 mile an hour winds. And then Sunday is 73, sunny, and nine mile an hour winds. Like, it would be pretty fun to live in San Diego. It's just 75, 80, 80 degrees every day, no rain, and you just like play golf every day. That sounds like a pretty damn good life. But that's what we're looking at weather-wise. So rain is not the issue. It might blow a little bit. Like 10 mile an hour for these guys really isn't that much. So I'm not worried about the weather. It is going to be perfect. So we might see a little bit more scoring. A little bit. Obviously, at the U.S. Open, it's going to be really, really tough. At the Farmer's Insurance, there's a lot of rough, but it it can be thick. I don't know. They're kind of inconsistent with it. They might have grown it out a little bit more just because at the U.S. Open, like I said, Xander has been posting videos with Callaway trying to hit it in the rough, especially that video that came out. I think he was in the rough um, off the 18th green. That looks really deep. I don't know if that's going to be over the whole course. Everybody knows that kind of it kind of varies around a golf course, depending if you hit a good patch or a bad patch. But what I'm saying is with perfect weather, we might see a little bit uh, more scoring. Key stats. We saw it last year at the U.S. Open. Driving distance just matters at this golf tournament. These fairways are going to be tight. The, the rough is going to be up to these guys' shins, to these guys' knees. So when the fairways are hard to hit for everybody in the field, I'd rather have the guy that hits it over 300, 310 than the guy that hits it 290 and has to hit 7-iron out of the rough when my guy's hitting sand wedge, wedge, and 9-iron. That's just the way we have to do it. But with that being said, a guy who hits it long while hitting a bunch of fairways is going to have an advantage this week. Bryson, last year at the U.S. Open, was seventh in driving distance, but was also inside the top 30 in accuracy. So that combination is huge, usually at a U.S. Open. But at Torrey, it's a little bit weird. Justin Ray on Twitter, in 2008 at Torrey Pines, Woods ranked T56th in the field in driving accuracy. Over the last 40 years, more PGA Tour winners at Torrey Pines have been ranked outside the top 50 in driving accuracy that week, 15, than ranked inside the top 10, 7. So at Torrey Pines, it may not be as important to hit fairways than like Wingfoot last year, right? If you hit the fairway at Wingfoot, it was a gigantic advantage because the rough was impossible. But at Torrey, you might get away with not hitting that many fairways. So that's going to kind of come into play. Who knows? I'm Obviously, Tiger could blow it five fairways over and his iron play was just better than everybody else's. So we'll have to see if that actually happens again this, this week, see if that changes. But that'll, that'll, be, that'll just be determined on the rough. We just haven't, not a lot of videos of the rough have come out yet, except from like greenside on 18, like I said with Xander. So we'll see. And then with tight fairways, hitting greens is going to be tough if you find the rough, even if you find the fairway. We've got some long holes out here. So because of that, greens and regulation is another stat to look at this week at a tough golf course in tough conditions. The more birdie putts, the better. The more greens and regulation you find, the better. So iron play is always important. Pretty much at the U.S. Open, you need to do everything well. Pretty much to win the golf tournament, right? Your short game needs to be good because if you don't find greens of regulation because you found the rough on the fairway, your your short game needs to be good. Like it just that's why Bryson won last year. Sure, he was driving it 330 yards and hitting a decent amount of fairways, but his short game was really good. He was getting up and down from everywhere and his putting was good. It all kind of has to just perfect combination. You need to do everything well to win a major championship. Data golf information, course fit. Uh, Corrales Golf Club, number two, Country Club of Jackson, number three, Accordia Golf of Narashino. I don't, that means nothing to me, to be completely honest. Trending of the players in the field, number one is Colin Morikawa, his last three starts, T8, T14, and solo second. Number two is John Rahm, T34, T8, WD, but I count that as a win if I'm going to be completely honest with you. And number three is Jordan Spieth with a T30, solo second, and T18. Percent chance to win, Baseline, course history, course fit, all that kind of stuff. Data Golf, number one, John Rahm at 7.6%. Xander Shoffley's number two at 5.4%. And then Dustin Johnson is at 4.3%, which if I was to pick one of the big names to kind of fade this week, obviously it's never a good idea to fade DJ because you never know when that flip is going to switch and he's back. But if I was going to pick one guy to fade, I think it would be DJ. He just hasn't shown me pretty much anything since he won the Masters. He's been kind of 
just out of the mix since he won the Masters. So we'll have to see what happens with DJ. Betting odds, John Rahm, according to FanDuel, is the betting favorite at plus 950. DJ is second, all the way up at 1,500. So FanDuel really likes John Rahm. Bryson DeChambeau is at 16. Brooks Kepka is at 18. Rory McIlroy is also at 18. Xander Shoffley is also at 18. Kyle Morikawa is at 19. Jordan Spieth's at 21. Justin Thomas is at 23, which the last time that Justin Thomas was that low in odds, we took him at the Players' Championship. As of right now, I'm just realizing this right now. As of right now, he's not one of the picks that I have listed right now that we're going to go over here in a second. He's not one of them. But the last time he was that low, I think he was, what, plus 2,000 or plus 2,200, I believe, when he won the players. The last time he was that low, we took him and we won. So he might have to find his way on the card at some point because obviously that's another guy that can kind of just flip the switch out of nowhere and he's like back and he wins the golf tournament. You should probably bet on a guy like Justin Thomas when he gets that low on the board. Uh, Patrick Cantlay's at 24. Victor Hovland's at 24. Patrick Reed's at 28. If you go down, Will Zalatoris is at 41. So is Scotty Scheffler. If you go down, PGA Championship winner Phil Mickelson's at 55. Uh, Matty Fitzpatrick's at 65. Uh, Cameron Smith's at 6. Tommy Fleetwood's at 75. Garrick Higo, who just won last week's at 75. He's a bigger favorite than Mark Leishman, Gary Woodland, Sung J M, Adam Scott, Harris English, Max Homa. That kid is already at 7,500 at a major championship. That's kind of surprising. But before we get into this, before we get into all the guys that we're going to talk about this week, we had a question come in from one of our TikToks posted last night. Um, If you guys aren't following the TikTok, go follow it. It just gets posted with a bunch of highlights and all the instructional stuff goes up there also. But I asked for a couple questions. Uh, Barry sent in a question. He just wants a couple guys to target for DraftKings this week for his lineup. I think we have, how many guys are we going to talk about? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys. And then obviously I might go into just kind of the field and just kind of pick out some more. I just didn't want to include all the favorites. Like obviously there's a bunch of reasons why John Rahm might win. Obviously there's a bunch of reasons why DJ might, might win. Obviously Bryson, obviously Jordan, uh, Brooks. There's a bunch of reasons why, obviously. So I tried to pick some guys that maybe not aren't coming underneath the radar, but whatever. But for now, we have eight picks. But we're going to start with one of the guys uh, that I think not only Barry should target, but you guys should target if you guys are doing fantasy this week. And that's Patrick Reed. Um, I think you. I think it would be kind of a stupid move not to put Patrick Reed on the card this week. He's he's priced at nine thousand on DraftKings, so he's one of those guys that if you pick a big name, he could kind of offset that for you. He doesn't drive it very long. He averages just over two ninety off the tee, but his short game makes up for that. He's nineteenth in strokes in around the green, and he did just win at this golf course a few months ago, back in the last week, last day of January, I believe, including the Masters. Until now, he's made six starts. He's missed two cuts, and that was at the Charles Schwab and the Valspar. And his worst finish when he makes a cut is T17. He T8 at the Masters, T6 at the Wells Fargo, T17 at the PGA, and solo fifth at the Memorial. So in his last six starts, the two times he missed the cut were the weakest fields and just kind of like the smallest golf, the Charles Schwab and the Valspar. Who gives a shit about those two tournaments? When it's time to play golf, when the big boys are in the field and it's a big time championship at a big time golf course, T8 at the Masters. T6 at the Wells Fargo, top 20 at the PGA, and in top five at the Memorial. When it's time to play golf, that's when Patrick Reed shows up. Despite his lack of distance, he finished T13, he finished T13 at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, solo fourth at Shinnecock, and T13 at Aaron Hills. He likes the U.S. Open, and he's he's a grinder at these long golf courses with a lot of rough. Right? He just grinds. He just mentally tougher than a lot of people. So I just think his type of game that like gritty grinder game. He doesn't hit it a lot, but his short game is really good. He makes pars from everywhere. He's a good wedge player. He's a good ball striker. He's a phenomenal putter. His game just fits a U.S. Open. I think he's still, he's looking for a second major championship victory. I think it could come at a U.S. Open just because I think it fits him so, so well. He's missed four cuts since the start of the new season. He's played in 15 events, so he's made 11 cuts. When he makes it to the weekend, this season, his worst finish T22, that came at the Players' Championship. And like I kind of said earlier, all his missed cuts come at smaller events. He's missed four. All of them have come at smaller events. Aside 
excuse me, he did miss the cut at the Arnold Palmer, which I guess you could argue is a little bit bigger of an event. But again, it's not like the Genesis. It's not like the Memorial. It's not like the Wells Fargo. It's not kind of in that same conversation. I mean, Bay Hill delivers year in, year out, but it's not like one of the tournament, like DJ never plays in it. JT never plays in it. Jordan never plays in it. He did last year, but Jordan never plays in it. Like it's not one of those marquee events. And that's a coming from a guy that loved Arnold Palmer invitation was one of my favorite tournaments, but it's not one of the biggest ones. So when it's time to play golf, Patrick Reed plays some fucking golf. And he's looking to join Ben Hogan, Tiger Woods, and Jack Nicholas as the only golfers to win a PGA Tour event and the U.S. Open on the same course in the same year. So he'd only be the fourth guy all time to do that, which would be pretty cool. So Patrick Reed, um, for a card pick, is going to be good. If I can bring up FanDuel real quick. I know. I think I just said he was, uh, he was what, plus 2,800 to win, I believe. Uh, plus 2,800 to win. So you could probably get him plus odds for a top 20. That's where I would put him. I don't know if I'd go any higher than that. Let's see. Finishing position, top 20. Yeah, so Patrick Reed's plus 115 for a top 20 finish. So the odds aren't great. But if you do feel comfortable enough to hop up to a top 10 finish, he's plus 260. So you could win some serious money there. For sure, you could win some serious money there. But yeah, Barry, if you're listening, uh, or anybody else that's playing DraftKings uh, for the U.S. Open this week, Patrick Reed is definitely somebody in that $9,000 range that you should definitely target. And then back at the Farmers, back in January, Max Homo won us some money. I think we bet him top 40, and I think we're going to go right back to him for the U.S. Open. He also cashed us about a few weeks ago at the Memorial. I think we bet him top 40, and they finished inside the top 10. He was T18 at the Farmers. But to be completely honest, he just hasn't shown a lot in major championship. He missed the cut at both Masters this season. He missed the cut at the PGA Championship. He doesn't have a, he, like when he makes a cut at the major, I don't know if he's ever finished even inside the top 50. So this would have to be, this would be his first good major championship performance if he goes on the card. He's plus value for a top 40, which that's where he would go. So it would be his first good start at major championship, but it is at a golf course where he's had success before. And for a lot of the other majors he's played in, it's been like his first time at that golf course. So I don't really put a bunch on that, especially he's just a way better golfer than he is. He's just way better of a golfer than he is now compared to what he was like a couple years ago. A week before the PGA, he missed the cut at the Wells Fargo. He missed the cut at the PGA, but then that is sandwiched by a T6 at the Valspar and a T6 at the Memorial. So he's played some he's played some good golf over the last couple months. He missed a couple cuts at big events at really strong fields, but besides that, he's been playing pretty consistent golf. He's added some distance over the last year. He's averaging 302.1 off the tee this season compared to 300 in 2020 and 2019. The big problem I see with Max, especially this week, is his driving accuracy has just struggled this season. He's 143rd in driving accuracy, uh, 57.56% of fairways. That's just not great. But in his last two starts, Max hit 64.29% and 66.07% of fairways. Hopefully that carries into this week. If he can find more fairways, he's a really good ball striker. He's a really good iron player. And then his putter gets a little hot and cold, but... He's better on this type of grass, so we'll see what happens with Max. I think he's going to go on the card, like I said, in that like top 40 range. Let's see if I can bring up the odds for you guys real quick for a top 40 finish. Max Homa. I can't believe he's under that Higo guy. That's crazy. I guess Higo has been playing ridiculous golf for the last couple of months. Uh, Max Homa's plus 130 for a top 40, so that's probably where he's going to be. I mean, you guys might already know. If you guys are listening to this later on Tuesday or Wednesday, the betting article is already out. You might already know if he's going to be on the card, if he's already on the card of the top 40. But in my mind right now, that's probably where I'm going to put him as a top 40 per plus 130. Cause that's really good odds for Max. That's good. That's good value for Max. Especially he's shown really good fashion of golf this year. Like he's just a good golfer now. He's a bona fide top 50 player in the world for you to get that kind of odds. It's, it's that low just because he really hasn't performed at a major championship yet. Which again, Hopefully changes this week because he's had a good finish at this golf course before in the past. Speaking of good finishes at this golf course, Mark Leishman, he loves Torrey Pines. He won the Farmers in 2019, and then going back to 2017, he has three other top 20s. So this dude just loves this golf course. The one thing that worries me is he hasn't made a cut at a major championship 
aside from the Masters, since the U.S. Open in 2019. And then even in 2019, that same year, he missed the cut of the PGA in the Open. So if a major championship is not named the Masters, he doesn't really play well at it. He loves the Masters. He plays really well at Augusta. But aside from that, he just really doesn't play that well in major championships. But I'm hoping that his course history at Torrey Pines kind of makes up for that. Hopefully he performs well. He's outside the top 130 in both driving distance and your accuracy this season on tour. And in all other strokes gain categories, nothing really stands out. He's kind of just middle of the pack, bottom 75. Like he's just nothing about him statistically wise jumps off the page, to be completely honest. This pick, if he ends up being on the card, if he ends up being included in the article later in the video later, is entirely based on his course history at Torrey Pines because he does love it. If I can get him real quick, let's see if I can find him real fast. Mark Leishman is plus 280 for a top 20 finish. That means he's going to be plus money. He's plus 105 for a top 40. So you would have to put him for like a top 30 finish if you want any value, plus 160 for a top 30. That I feel comfortable with. Mark Leishman at plus, at plus, what is it, 160 for a top 30 finish. I feel pretty comfortable with that. I just think his course history at Torrey Pines kind of outweighs his struggles in majors of late, for sure, except the Masters because he loves the Masters. What was he? T- I think he top 10 at the Masters this year. Maybe the last couple Masters. He's, he's just been played really well. Uh, another guy that just loves Torrey Pines, Brant Snedeker. This is another, if he ends up on the card, this is another guy that is just entirely based on his past performances at Torrey Pines. He won the Farmers in 2016, won the Farmers in 2012, had a top 10 in 2017, and then just had a top five finish back in 2020. And then I think he finished inside the top 40 this year, even though he missed a bunch of cuts in a row leading into the tournament. He just wasn't playing good golf. And then he just turns it on at Torrey Pines. He just feels very, very comfortable. He struggled early in 2021, missing the cut at five of his first seven starts. But since missing the weekend at the Players, he's made seven straight cuts, highlighted by top 20s at the Valspar and the Byron Nelson. So of late, he's found some form. He lost us some money last week. I mean, everybody lost us some fucking money last week. No one decided to play golf last week. We bet Brant Snedeker, I don't even remember, top 20 or top 30. I think he like T60. He just didn't play good golf pretty much all week. He just kind of hovered around even par, not great. But he's been playing some decent golf. Again, he's a guy that lacks distance. Only 287 yards off the tee. I hit it. I would hit it 200 or <laughs> 200 yards, 20 yards past Brant Snedeker if we played together. But he's going to have to hit pretty much every single fairway if he's going to only drive it 285, 280, 290 to keep up with everybody. Just because if he doesn't hit fairways, he's going to have five irons out of rough up to your shins. That's just not the combo that you need. So that is entirely based off of his path performances at the Farmers Insurance Open. Hopefully that carries over. He's shown flashes of pretty good golf over the last three, four months. So hopefully that continues. Uh, Xander Shoffley. I know he w- he's one of the favorites, but he was definitely a guy that I had to mention especially when it comes to the U.S. Open. He's a San Diego kid. He's looking for his first win in a major championship. And to be completely honest, he's looking for his first like staple win on the PGA Tour. Yes, he won the Tour Championship, but only 30 guys are in that field. Uh, he won the Tournament of Champions, but again, that's like an early year tournament in Hawaii. Like no one gives a shit. Everybody's wearing like Hawaiian shirts. Like he hasn't had that staple. Like what's his biggest win? I'm about to look it up. I, I think the Tournament of Champions like might be his biggest win. You guys might be like screaming in the car at me like right now because I can't think of one of the wins that he had. Like he has an HSBC win, doesn't he? Like over in China maybe. I know he lost one of them to – yeah, so he won the Greenbrier snooze. He won the Tour Championship. There's 30 guys in that field. He won the WGC Champion HSBC in 2019, which I guess guess that's cool. I mean enough guys play in that tournament, I guess. And then the STC. So he just doesn't have, like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't consider, I know like golf media loves to, loves to put in WGC titles, but like, that's definitely the weakest one. The HSBC, that's by far the weakest one. So he really doesn't have like a big win. He's just waiting for that. He's just waiting for that big win to happen. Just hasn't happened yet. He's made four solo starts since the match play. He's made three cuts. He missed a cut at the PGA like a month ago. His worst finish, however, in those three made cuts was a T14 at the Wells Fargo. He had a top five at the Masters. Everybody remembers what happens on 16th at Augusta National on Sunday afternoon. 
But earlier this year, he was one of the runner-ups at the Farmers. Before that, he really didn't have that great history at Torrey Pines, but this year he played really well there. This season, when Xander has made the cut, which has been, I'm going to look this up too. He's played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen solo events, solo stroke play events. He's missed the cut in one, two, two events. Aside from that, he hasn't finished outside of the top 20. His worst finish, oh no, he's only finished outside the top 20 once. That's my bad. He T39 at concession. Aside from that, he hasn't finished outside the top 20. Is ridiculous. When you make the weekend and then automatically finish inside the top 20, that's how you make it. That's how you make a shit ton of money on the PGA Tour, and that's what Xander's doing. He's so consistent, but he's also just looking for that first staple win, and I think it would be huge for him. Big confidence boost because he's locked it down the stretch at a couple big tournaments to come home to San Diego and win the U.S. Open. I think before the season started in December, I did a show predicting all the winners of the majors. I don't know. I don't think I've, I haven't gotten one right yet, but I did pick Xander Shoffley to win the U.S. Open, I believe. Pretty sure I did. Because, listen to this record of the U.S. Open. Fifth, T3, T6, T5 is his record at the U.S. Open. You could say he likes this golf tournament. He's one of the favorites. So for him to have any value for for yourself on the card this week, he's going to have to probably go top 10 bet. I think he's he's plus 175 on FanDuel for a top 10 bet. That's great value. I think he is yet to finish outside the top 10 at a U.S. Open. And he has what? What are those? Three top fives. And on FanDuel, you can get Xander Shoffley for a plus 360 for a top five finish at the U.S. Open this week. So who knows, man? I just think Xander's in for a good week. Who knows if he'll win because he hasn't shown the signs of being able to win a big boy golf tournament yet. He's always in the mix, but he never gets it done. Who knows? Xander has to go on the card, I think, just because it's a U.S. Open. He'll probably end up being a top 10 bet for us. He did the last time we bet him top 10 at the U.S. Open earlier or late last season, he won. He won us some money. So just feels right to go back to Xander for another top 10 bet. Uh, Justin Rose is the next guy. He's playing some pretty good golf of late. He had to WD from the Arnold Palmer. I think, I think it was a back injury if I remember correctly. But since then, he's made four solo starts. He's made three cuts. He missed a cut at the Valspar. Who cares about that tournament in Tampa? But in those three made cuts, when he plays over the weekend, those three times, he has finished outside the top 20. He had a solo seven at the Masters and a T8 at the PGA. And I think he was exactly T20 at the Memorial. I forgot to write that one down. But I mean, two top tens in the last two major championships will always take that, especially with a guy that's like struggled of late. He was like world number one for a little bit. And then he kind of just like disappeared off the face of the earth. He's Rosie's kind of coming back, which is good. I love watching Rosie play. He's a great putter. He's got a really good swing. Uh, let's see. He T 11 at the Zurich, but again, that's a team event. Yeah. T 20 at the Charles Schwab was his last start. We haven't seen him since the Charles Schwab. So Rosie's going to be another guy. I think he's just playing really good in major championships right now. He's just playing good golf overall right now. He's a U.S. Open champion. He won at Marion back in 2013. But even with these good finishes over his last 36 rounds, he's outside the top 100 in every single stroke skiing category aside from putting. I just mentioned he's a great putter. Outside of that, he's very middle of the pack with everything. He's long enough to keep off the tee, uh, keep up off of the tee. He averages uh, right around 297, but he's 88th on tour and driving accuracy. I think he hits a little over 61%. So that number will have to go up a little bit. But again, he's a really good ball striker. He can roll the hell out of his golf ball. So if his short game is good this week and he hits a decent amount of fairways, Rosie could be a good play for like a top 30 finish. If I go into FanDuel real quick and get top 30 for you guys, uh, find Rosie real quick. He's going to be way down on this list, I think. I don't even see him. I can't imagine that he's this low. Rosie, plus 130 for a top 30. So if he goes on the card, that's where we're going to end up putting him. I just think... He's just shown really good flashes, especially major championship golf. Usually that's like the last thing to come back. You'll compete in smaller tournaments and then you get to a major championship play well. He's just flashed very good golf at major championships. And then another guy, especially for you guys that played uh, DraftKings and FanDuel 
fantasy lineups for this week. I think Scotty Scheffler is going to be a guy to look at for sure. Still looking for his first PGA Tour win, but I think his game just fits Torrey Pines very nicely. He's priced at 8500 on DraftKings right now. I don't know what he has on FanDuel, but he's 35th in driving distance, averages just under 305.5. He's 41st in driving accuracy, 65.84% of fairways. He's 41st in strokes and approach over his last 36 rounds, and that's compared to 108th over the season-long strokes gained. So he's hitting his irons way better over the last couple months than he has season-long, which you love to see. He's just playing really good golf. His last start was a solo third at the Memorial, and then he just had a top 10 at the PGA down at uh, Kiowa Island. He finished inside the top 20 his last four major championship appearances, highlighted by a T4 at the 2020 PGA. So... We'll see what he can do. Um, I just think that his game is trending in the right direction. The usual, the thing that I see with Scotty is his iron play can struggle, but over his last 36, he's been a top, almost a top 40 iron player, which you'd love to see. And especially when you combine that with how good he is off the tee, accuracy and distance wise, that is trouble for the rest of the guys. His short game is good. His putter is okay, but he just does a lot of things well. And he didn't, he didn't play at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, so that's not really anything to go off of. I know he played in the U.S. Open a couple of times when he was an amateur. Uh, 2019, he missed the cut. 20, uh, let's see, 2017, he topped 30 as an amateur, which is pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have, like, extensive history at the U.S. Open. I just think at Torrey Pines, I think his game fits it pretty well. He, uh, let's see, what did he do? Uh, Farmers Insurance opened this year. He opened with 65, which very good. And then he and then he shot 79 on the second day. So not so good. So we'll see what happens. And then literally turned around the very next week in top 10 at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So I do really think that was like one bad round of golf. So I think Scotty Scheffler, his game, I just think his game fits this golf course really well. So if you guys are playing DraftKings, FanDuel, all the fantasy stuff this week, my two picks for you guys. So to air to finally answer Barry's question, a couple guys to look at, Patrick Reed and Scotty Scheffler are two mid-range guys that I would definitely put in your lineups this week. I think they're in for good weeks. And then before we get into a couple guys quickly, we're going to talk about our guy, Rory McIlroy, or at least my guy. I don't know if everybody that listens to the show is a fan of Rory McIlroy, but I'm a fan of Rory McIlroy. So that's who the last guy we're going to talk about is. His last major, everybody knows, came in 2014. He's looking for his fifth major overall. He finished T8 at Wingfoot last year, but aside from that, hasn't really been in contention at a U.S. Open since he won by 100 for his U.S. Open title at Congressional. His last five U.S. Open finishes, T8 at Wingfoot, T9, and that was at Pebble. Miscut, miscut, miscut. So, like I said, not great. But he is coming off back-to-back top 10s at the U.S. Open, We'll see. Obviously, that has a little bit to do with driving distance because he can take advantage of it, especially in, in thick rough, but who knows what's happening this week. He feels comfortable at Torrey. His last three starts of Farmers, T16, T3, T5. His strokes gain numbers over his last 36 rounds are pretty good. 27th total, 20th T to green, 16th in ball striking, 26th off the T, 19th in approach. So everything looks really good. From 100 to 125, that wedge area, he's third in proximity over his last 36 holes, which is great. On the year, he's second in driving distance, 318 yards off the tee, 318.6 actually, but he's 173rd in driving accuracy, only hitting 55.17% of fairways. But again, around Torrey, hitting fairways are tough for everybody in the field. So distance is a little bit more important to me than this week than accuracy because I'd like to take wedge out of the rough instead of a seven iron. When he won the Wells Fargo just over a month ago, he only hit 34% of fairways. So his iron play has been really great, and he's shown that he doesn't necessarily need to hit fairways to win a golf tournament because his iron play is really good right now, and so is his bunker play. His short game and his putter look very solid. So if he hits a lot of fairways, look out for Rory McIlroy this week because I just think his game fits this golf course. He's comfortable on it. Uh, Two top fives in the last three years at the Farmers Insurance Open. I just think he could play really well at this golf course. Again, he's one of the favorites, but if you go to top 10, he drops a little bit. So he's plus 200 for a top 10 finish this week, and he's only minus 115 for a top 20. So he's going to be in one of those ranges for us. I personally am probably going to throw a little bit money on him to win just because I got to support my guy. But for the card, for the show, he'll probably end up being somewhere in that range, but we'll see what happens. 
to go over a couple more guys that I think are definitely guys to look at, let me bring up this name, Will Zalatoris, because we bet on him a bunch early and then kind of gotten away from him, but he's just been a problem in major championships. He's just been an absolute problem in majors. He was T6 at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Uh, if you go to the, he was uh, he was the runner up at the Masters. He had a top ten at the PGA. This guy's game just fits a golf course when it gets tough, when the field gets deeper. He's really good. He's twenty fifth on tour this season at driving distance. He only hits fifty six point two five percent of fairways. But again, distance a little bit more important than accuracy this week to me. So he could fit. He's third on the year in strokes gained approach. He's great. The only part, his putting is terrible. But again, in the last three major championships, he's shown that his ability to strike the ball well from the fairway and his short game is decent enough and his driving is decent enough that it makes up for his lack of putting. Like he's just not a very good putter. It's kind of like Colin Morikawa, right? He does everything else really, really well. But when his putter's hot, he's going to be inside the top five. That's just how it is. And that's kind of what it seems like Will Zalatoris is doing. So we'll see what happens with Will. But again, he could be a great pick. He'll probably end up on the card just because I think you'd be stupid not to. Just because He's just shown really good flashes in major championship golf. If you go to top 20, he's actually plus money for a top 20, which I did not think he was going to be, plus 140. I think Victor Hovland could be a look at plus 125 for a top 20 finish. That guy is also due for like a big win. I didn't say it, but Scotty Scheffler's plus 170 for a top 20. Cameron Smith has like a major championship, like winning game for sure at plus 210 for a top 20 finish. Corey Connors has shown flashes this year, plus 250. Tommy Fleetwood has shown a little bit, 250. Abraham Anser is a fairway and green machine. That could fit at um, at Torrey Pines. Actually, let me look up Anser real quick um, before we get out of here to see what he did at the farmers. Cause he's just a machine when it comes to greens and fairways and a us open that always works. He's third in driving accuracy and 12th in greens of regulation. Um, he didn't play at the farmers this year. Let me go back to 2020 to see if he played in it. I don't see him at the farmers at all. This might be the first time he's ever played at this golf course. He missed a cut in 2019 at the farmers as I'm saying that. Uh, he had a top 20 in 18 though. So he's played, he's played, he has a mixed history at this golf course. He does have a top 20, but he could be another guy. He's just so accurate with every single club in the bag. That answer could be a threat at the U S open when accuracy is really, really key. But yeah, guys, that's it. That's what we got for the U S open this week. I cannot wait to watch just a lot of guys playing really good golf. Um, follow the socials at twilight nine pod. And that's on Instagram. I think that's also on Twitter. And I think that's also, I think it might be Twilight Nine podcast on TikTok. I would have to look that up. But follow us there. Um, at Riley Hamill underscore is my um, Instagram and my Twitter. So follow everything. Be on the lookout for a second episode this week. I don't know what day it's going to come out. Probably Friday. I think I'm going to record it Friday morning while watching the golf maybe and then release it maybe in the afternoon. And then also be on the lookout for the second instructional video. I think that's going to end up coming out on Thursday. I'm pretty sure. But guys, enjoy the golf this week. Uh, go read the betting article that's out now. Maybe if you're listening to this later on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think I'm going to try to release the betting article right around like one or two on Tuesday afternoon. So be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Just follow everything. If you go to twilight9.com, there's a little section that says like all the links you need and has a link to everything, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can find the show. Go follow everything. Reach out if you guys have any questions for me on TikTok. Every Sunday night, I'll post a little TikTok and ask for questions for the show, and you guys can whatever be featured. Shout out to Barry, who sent in a question this week. Go follow everything. Enjoy the U.S. Open this week. Go win some money. Go win some money on DraftKings, and I will talk to you guys on either Thursday or Friday. Peace, guys.